My name is Nick. And I'm Damien. You're listening to the EQIQ Podcast. This is where the independent scientist and biotech entrepreneur come to find new paths to success. Join us as we discuss strategies to launch your vision, grow your team's potential, and uncover hacks to push your career well beyond what you thought possible. And we're live. Welcome to the EQIQ podcast. I am Nick. And I'm Damien. And Pablo in the background. Hey, everybody. Well, I don't know about live, considering this is pre recorded. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, thank you guys for joining us. Uh, boys, how's it going? It's going. It's starting to warm up, so that's good. It's that spring season coming. Everyone's starting to see the grass again. Oh, yeah. I love it. So let's just jump straight into this week's conversation because, you know, with that springtime, all that green coming out, for some reason, it just gets everyone starting to think about that new job, that new project. Everyone is looking to mm-hmm. either prepare or pull the trigger on that new project. And one of the, the biggest things and one of the most popular questions that we get at EDC is how do I negotiate my contract? or how do I negotiate term sheet, faculty position, a job, salaries, all that. Exactly. So I'm going to kind of hand this off to you because you are the one that does most of our negotiation support here at EDC. So take it away. Well, I mean, I think a lot of this is such a nebulous process and it comes at a specific time during this time of the year, especially within the calendar or academic calendar year. Mm -hmm. People are trying to look for a faculty position. This is an often time where they're on the job hunt, presenting their science, presenting their research data to the scientific community. And a lot of these institutions, hospitals and foundations, they say you do great work. Now, how much is it going to take to pull you in? And most people are like, "Uh, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) So where... Where would we start with negotiations? Well, you know, it's so funny because most of this came organically. I think when we think about negotiations, we have to realize that sometimes our ideas around negotiation can differ. And often we don't have enough experience. EDC came about when somebody was asking me, how do I negotiate for a startup? I first started out with one of my buddies actually took a position in New York from California. And he was so excited. He's like, hey, can you help me out? Set up my lab. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Let me come on down and help you out. And so I went down to New York mm-hmm. and I said, all right, so where's your space? And he showed me his empty space with a bunch of dilapidated pieces of equipment, <laughs> sparse equipment from the 1960s turndials. Right. And I said, okay, so is this your space? He goes, yeah. And he's so excited, so happy. And I'm like, all right, do you have more? I thought you had more space. He goes, oh yeah, yeah. And so we go to a different side of the institution, several floors down. And his lab space was split between two parts of the building. Wait, he had two benches? Two rooms. Two separate in rooms. In opposite, two separate rooms. <laughs> okay. And so I'm like, all right, so where's your office? And we had to leave the building, go to a different building. And through this, I'm kind of like, all right, did you even ask to have your space in the same location? He goes, wait, you can ask for that? Mm. I'm like, uh, yeah. And then I'm like, all right, so let's see. 
do you have enough equipment? He goes, I, I have enough money. I'm like, how much money? He goes, X amount of dollars. And I'm like, well, you don't have enough money to buy even this equipment, let alone the salaries. As I started running down, right. all that excitement just left his face. And I'm like, all right, who taught you to negotiate? He goes, oh, my old faculty, my old mentor. And mm. when he started, he said he got that amount. I'm like, yeah, but he started like 20 plus years ago. Right. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that's sad. And I think that's the idea surrounding negotiations can be really anxious and anxiety provoking, mm-hmm. but I don't believe that you, it has to be. And so essentially, I basically said, we're here, I'm going to help you out and we'll figure this out together. We eventually did. It wasn't without its challenges. Mm-hmm. But so this is where negotiations early on matter significantly when you're really starting off and to try to jump into some new venture, whether right. you're starting a company and asking money from a VC, or if you're starting at an institution and pulling money from grants and services. Yeah. So that was a successfully completed negotiation, but not necessarily you know what we would call a successful negotiation. So- <laughs> no, by, not, by <laughs> any stretch of the imaginations. But I guess we should define that for our audience, what we would define as a successful negotiation. And what a successful negotiation should feel like, like Mm -hmm. within that room while you're talking, while you're doing the back and forth, you know, sharing that term paper or, you know, talking about the uh, benefits or what have you. Yeah. And I think when we think about negotiations, I think many people just go in assuming it's purely financial and financial motivated. However, we want to change people's frame of mind around negotiation instead of making it like an adversarial winner take all or a zero sum game. Mm -hmm. I want people to look at it as a conversation Mm -hmm. or a collaboration towards like a shared goal. Right. Because we hear a lot about the the win-win situation or the win-lose situation probably more Mm -hmm. often or (laughs) the lose-lose situation, which you absolutely want to avoid. Yeah. And so with that in mind, when we think about this negotiation or collaboration, which is a much easier word to kind of grasp around, Mm. we can kind of center it towards a shared goal, in this case, particular around the science. And so if we try to educate people, let people know that the people with the finances that are, quote, negotiating financial uh, measurements, what they're doing is essentially buying a product or a service. In Mm -hmm. this case, it's the science. It's the scientific idea. They just want to be able to like buy it and get the value from that. But how we define that value is based upon essentially the scientific ingredients, right. if you will. Yeah. And then just to butt in a little bit, I know this example is very much academically focused, but mm-hmm. we can also apply everything that that we've said and everything that we're going to say to industry. And if you think of the institute as being the financer or, you know, the quote, investor in this situation. The negotiations, whether it's a job or a term paper, the feelings around those and the goal around those are going to be the same because, again, we're Mm -hmm. focusing on the science. Yeah. And the science, when we think about who has, say, the leverage, if we will, Mm -hmm. it is usually the scientific founder or the scientific principal investigator, the ones with the idea. It's just we have to be able to communicate that only the scientist or the founder can 
have a good idea of what that looks like and what that feels like. Mm. And I think that's a huge part about being able to understand like, all right, what's the design, the experimental design, if you will. Not to change the conversation or, or the, the focus of the conversation, because we are approaching this from the academic or the entrepreneur side. But I think it's important to remember that whoever is buying into these ideas at these early stages, they are literally buying nothing. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they're very much investing in you, the person mm-hmm. that is presenting them with this idea. Because mm-hmm. without mm-hmm. this idea, they're not really going to get anywhere. And it's good that you say that because they are purchasing or basically buying an idea that they believe in or they believe in the individual that is presenting this idea. And so they're actually investing not only their time, but their money Mm -hmm. into a vision that you say you can create. And so they're really wanting you to be successful. They just need to know how to be be successful. And then this is where the uh, emotional part, right, Mm -hmm. uh, of, of who whoever's pitching them this idea becomes really important and really starts to come into play because if you're purchasing air, they're just purchasing an idea um, (laughs) or we'll call it investing in an idea. You need to show them that you're going to be able to do it and that there's such an emotional toll that comes with putting yourself out there like that. I think that you're you're right about that emotional toll because most often the value that one puts into this idea has been baking for such a long time. And a lot of times, this is where the imposter syndrome starts to Mm. show itself. Right. Because think about it, where the scientists are basically artists in themselves, and they imbue a lot of their own efforts and their own hard-earned money and time into this idea. Mm -hmm. And to present that into, just to have somebody to judge it, to say it is worth an X amount of dollars in and around that, can be super nerve-wracking. And we have to think about it, the value or the emotions in and around it has to be placed around the the passion of the science. Mm -hmm. But I think what most often we see clients do is they put their emotions based upon the financial money metrics and measurements of that. We always say start with the science and let the conversation around the money naturally uh, progress. And once we can get that alignment on that shared scientific goal, and if they say, we like it, I love what your your ideas are, Mm -hmm. how do we make this work together? And then we say start with like, what are the ingredients? Yeah. It's like the cake analogy. Yeah, that's one of my favorite ones because it always takes me right back to when I was actually in the process of getting my wedding cake. It really comes down to knowing what you want and sometimes having the experience of of knowing what's available and what it takes to actually make a wedding cake. Uh, When I went, I was fairly ignorant as to how much (laughs) wedding cakes Mm -hmm. costed. I showed up now knowing uh, I was giving them a, we'll call it a Betty Crocker budget to make (laughs) a very elaborate, very expensive cake. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So it's a matter of knowing those ingredients and knowing how to make the balance of what you have, those resources that you have access to, and knowing what it is you want. So Mm -hmm. do you want that very moist, delicious cake that is using the super expensive butter? Or do you want the cake that is super beautiful, 
that has like all the icing flowers all over mm-hmm. it. Uh, very artisanal that someone spent, you know, a hundred hours on just decorating. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can have both, but you need to know how much that's going to be because a lot of times, actually all the time, the budgets are very much limited to uh, a certain amount. And mm-hmm. without knowing all the details or, you know, in this case, without knowing how much all the ingredients are, you can't make a choice on what that balance mm-hmm. is going to be. Maybe mm-hmm. you do want all those flowers, but you're not going to be able to afford, you know, the super expensive butter. Uh, mm-hmm. So you might want to strike a balance and put less flowers on there, but then, mm-hmm. you know, have a have an average style butter. But I think we don't necessarily have to sacrifice everything. I, we want the audience to know this, that there are a certain part of our research and science, just like the cake, you already know you want the cake and mm-hmm. it's going to be for a wedding. We can start there and say, all right, what are the base bare minimums in order for this to be a successful cake for a wedding? Right. What are the bare minimums? What's going to be successful for a scientific research design? Mm-hmm. If we can start there and then build from that, we can now know what are the ingredients and the resources that are necessary. If you have this conversation with the parties that is actually purchasing it, for lack of a better terminology, if they can say, all right, we do like some of this in order to be successful, what do you physically need? What are the resources, not only financial, but what are the tangible resources, Mm -hmm. equipment, personnel, skill sets, all of these things. What are the ingredients? What are the ingredients? (laughs) Yeah. And the more we can discuss this, the better. One tip I always give any person in any kind of negotiation conversation is don't make baseline decisions. Don't make the end bottom line number discussions yet. Always have discussions, what I call the line item conversations. Go line by line and saying, can you provide me this? Can you provide me that? Can you provide me this? As you start to do this, this allows us to say, all right, This is going to lead into kind of a successful uh, negotiation. And a successful negotiation means that we all agree upon the end scientific research goal. All parties are agreeing on contributing to that end goal, whether it's going to be financial resources or tangible resources or the actual work and the design behind it. It's a collaboration. Right. And, you know, we'll do a deep dive into how to prepare for negotiations because there is a significant amount of work. And, you know, I venture to say more work than most people expect to do before you enter negotiations, really finding out what it is you want and putting together those line items. So Mm -hmm. we will discuss that in a future podcast. But for now, I really want to focus on that conversation, that initial one that you're having when you're sitting down, you know, after the third or fourth interview or when you actually finally receive that term sheet. What do you do? Mm -hmm. And what are the feelings that you want to reach out for? Because we know the ones that we want to avoid. Yeah. I know a lot of people always want to know what to avoid. What are the pitfalls? What are things? I say there is just way too many mm-hmm. <laughs> in negotiations. There's just too much to focus on that could go wrong. What I want people to focus on is what things are going to go right. And this is why it's important for us to define what that successful scientific venture is, because then we can say, what do we need in order to get there? One analogy I always like to tell people on negotiation is using like the analogy of You're all in agreement. You're going to travel from Boston 
to San Diego. Mm-hmm. How you get there is the discussion and negotiations. Right. We first have to agree on the destination. And so we agree on the destination, then we're all in alignment. Mm-hmm. And so, all right, now what do you need to get there? Are you taking plane, train, automobiles? But if you're like, oh, trains are too expensive, automobiles too expensive, plane, they're like all these questions are like, all right, so we don't have enough money there, but what, what are things? So now time, is time, do you need to get there tomorrow? Do you mm-hmm. need to get there next week? The more you can have a conversation in and around what are the th- resources, it becomes a natural dialogue around what people can contribute. Right. And so if it's easier for people to have that conversation, then you don't necessarily have to be pigeonholed into just some numerical value. The numbers or the financial numbers, they actually represent real world tangible objects. Right. And the numbers come last. That's Mm -hmm. one of the things that we push for the most Because the scientists that we work for, they're not financial people. They're not aware of the current market trends of all the instruments that are available to them. What they Mm -hmm. do know and what they are experts in is their science. And the Mm -hmm. more you can focus on the science, the more you can focus on what you're an expert in, not only Mm -hmm. will you feel more comfortable with talking about Mm -hmm. that stuff, but that passion, that you have inside of you will begin to come out as you get more comfortable in that conversation and that passion will become infectious for whoever you're Mm -hmm. speaking to. And if you've Mm -hmm. selected the right partners, if you've selected the right institution or the right investors, they will Mm -hmm. get excited with you. Mm -hmm. And once the project has been sold, all the negotiation becomes is a conversation on how all of you are going to get to that same spot that successful mm-hmm. scientific project together. I'm glad you bring that up. I know we say this and it's, quote, easier said than done because you don't have enough experience negotiating or it's the first time you're put into a place where you've actually seen this amount of money, mm-hmm. right? And then it's hard because it becomes like a trigger for us. Right. And so what I always try to encourage people to do is first start early. Start early enough to say, hmm, I want this scientific endeavor. What are the tools that I need to do that? Whether it's the equipment, Mm -hmm. the space, the type of uh, instruments, all of these things. Start thinking about it. You're now just getting comfortable with the tangible items. As you start to get tangible items, you can now define it and just write a list. This is basically you're writing your ingredient on a back of a piece of paper and start writing it down. Take some time before you're jumping on the job market or looking for or pitching these ideas because then you can start to say, all right, I now know this is the cake I am capable of baking. Here are the eggs, here are the flowers, here are the uh, (laughs) all the different different uh, uh, vanilla creams and butters that you can, that I'm willing to use, right. right? As you start to do this, you will naturally start to work with the numbers in and around it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I need this piece of equipment. Oh, I don't know. Maybe it's this from this vendor. Oh, it costs this amount. And you're just starting to really get into it. Uh, note, just as the person that's usually putting these budgets together, try not to get scared of that final number when you add everything up together and you <laughs> you see the amount of zeros that follow the, the first number that you put in there, this is how much your science costs. And mm-hmm. again, we will do a deep dive into how to do all these things in a future podcast. But if you don't get there or, or you're listening to this first, just make sure that 
this is how much your project is going to cost on the high end. Because mm-hmm. at that moment, you're probably thinking of the ideal situation. And there's a lot mm-hmm. of different elements and a lot of different factors that we can play with and work with to mm-hmm. massage that number into something that an institution or an investor uh, will take. Yeah, but I want people to not be limited about it. And I know that there is that fear instinct, mm-hmm. but we've been in negotiations before where they don't even bat an eye. They're like, okay, mm-hmm. we'll pay for that. You just never know. And this is one of the reasons why you go out there to present your work to several different investors and several different institutions, right. because the more you get your work and passion out there, they are going to say, hey, what can we do to like invest? And remember, they're also in competition with each other for the best right. scientific talent as well. And there's more to it, too. Like you're one person, you're one project, but they're looking at their whole portfolio. They're looking at departments of projects. And, you know, you don't know if what you're researching is just like a small little cog in the larger plan that they have put together to who knows what the returns are going to be on that. So they might be willing to invest tens of millions of dollars into you to figure this out. Again, we get it. It's easier said than done to like not focus on the fear, but it can focus on your passion, what you love to do, mm-hmm. which is the science, and then understand that's where your heart is. All of the decisions will start to make sense after that. But anytime you start to feel a little bit of those fear and trigger, just bring yourself back to, I really like what I'm doing here. I really like the science. And keep moving in this and keep moving in that direction. It makes all of these other little quote processes and financial numbers and metrics more palpable. But the key takeaway here is it is you and your science that is guiding all of the decision, even in the negotiations. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, the person or the people you're negotiating with, they ultimately want you to be successful. Here at EDC, what we do is we just help you focus on your science. That way, Eventually, when this period of negotiation is done, you are ultimately ready and fully capable of executing that whole project that you have been dreaming of, and you can just hit the ground running. So we hope these tips and tricks start to give you an idea how you can go through your own journey. Feel free to contact EDC, Damien, or myself for any help. This is what we do. Absolutely, Nick. This is exactly what we do. We love doing this stuff. My name is Damien. And I'm Nick. And our producer, Pablo. So again, this has been the EQIQ podcast. If you want to check out more about our consultancy, listen to more podcasts, or check out our show notes, please visit us at experimental-designs.com. We'll see you in the next episode. Podcast is gonna go down.